How hard is it to start over, guys? Have you ever dreamed of moving somewhere but been too scared to actually go for it? Do you find yourself often wishing you'd be brave enough to follow your dreams? Today we're talking to Chris, digital strategist, world traveler, fashionista, and podcaster, to learn about her experiences moving abroad and chasing her dreams. Hola, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pretty Sure Podcast, the podcast where we talk about life, love, travel, business, and everything in between. Life tends to get messy sometimes, and nobody really taught us how to live it. With your new best friend, confidant, and host, yours truly, Sabrina. I will always have your back, and it is my mission that you never feel alone again, because I'm always here. So fasten your seatbelts, because the ride is about to get really bumpy. Welcome to season two, Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to Pretty Sure. It's another week. We're mostly all still stuck in the pandemic, um, so we're all at home. Don't know when this is going to air, so probably by the time you guys are listening to this, we're all roaming free on the streets, but it's highly unlikely seeing how things are going. Anyway, I've been starting to network online and meet people on Instagram, attend a lot of live summits to improve myself, and in that, I've met so many amazing people, which includes our guest today. It's actually a funny story because I attended an event for Cultivate and Create or Creative and Cultivate. can never get that name right. I always mix them up because it's it's an amazing brand anyway. I, you guys should check it out on Instagram. But they did a digital summit two weeks ago, I think going on three, about money moves and how empowering entrepreneurs these days and what people are doing to pivot and everything. And they had this really cool part where you could interact with the guests on a Slack channel. And I actually met our guest today and we started talking and it's funny because we have so many things in common. So I just decided you have to be on my podcast because we're going to have so many things to talk about. So funny story, she actually also used to work in fashion, quit it for the same reasons I did. We're going to talk about that in the episode like a little bit later when she introduces herself. She also does beauty. She's also a world traveler. She left her home um, back in California because she wanted to move abroad and it was always her dream to move to London. So as I mentioned, today we're talking to Chris O, owner of Cake Spark, world traveler, Californian turned New Yorker, fashion lover, and many other different hats that she wears on a daily basis. Super excited to have her on. So welcome to Pretty Sure and please tell us your story, Chris. Hi, Sabrina. Oh my God, that was such an intro. So happy to be here with me and you. Thank you so much. (laughs) I think I get so used to you know, speaking as the host when I said that. But um, no, thank you, Sabrina, for having me. I know, I remember we were just chatting when we made that connection through Create and Cultivate, right? I think we said that um, it felt like the days of Twitter when we were networking with people online. And then now it's like networking people, networking through Instagram. And I'm so glad that we hit it off. And I felt also too, as soon as we were just like DMing and you were telling me all about your story, I'm like, oh my God, there's so many things about this girl that I'm totally clicking with. And we've already had so many amazing conversations and opportunities to work together as well. So this is just a little icing on the cake. So I really appreciate you for inviting me to your very special podcast. Oh, I'm so glad that you got to be on. And so you were born and raised in California and then you moved to New York. Tell us a bit about how your whole journey started. Yeah, sure. Well, I wasn't actually born in California. I was born in Korea, but I came to California. I was one. So I'm pretty much Americanized. Yeah, I grew up here in the States like all my life. And Mm -hmm. then I moved away from California to Boston for grad school. And then um, after grad school, I, you know, started my career in PR. And then during that time in Boston, I actually had a chance to, after I started my career in PR, had a chance to visit London for a business trip. And I completely fell in love. And I remember it very, very vividly. I was on a bridge overlooking the Thames River. And I called my mother and I said, mom, I'm in love. 
And she's like, who is this British man? Like, da, 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 da. I'm like, hold on. It's not some man yet, but I'm in love with this city. I'm in love with this country. Like, I think I want to move here. And the thing is, London had always been a dream of mine, even before that trip from Boston. It was since Mm -hmm. undergraduate school. But um, during that time, I actually went back to my boss and the CEO of the company that I was working for was a tech company. I actually started my career in tech and asked to relocate me to their to their European headquarters. Didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I actually ended up in New York, Sabrina, because I couldn't figure out the move from Boston to London at that time. So that was 11 mm-hmm. years ago. And I thought, wow. And I just crave a very cosmopolitan city with so yeah. much diversity and culture, which was why I moved away from Southern California across the country. And then so I thought, if I can't move to London, What's the biggest city in the United States? New York City. And then the rest is history. So I became a New Yorker. I actually feel more like a New Yorker than a Californian because of the lifestyle. But yeah, yeah. And fast forward, how I made the move is that I, since it was a 20-year dream, I remember very vividly, actually, Sabrina, I was coming back from a weekend trip from Paris. Uh, July of 2018, and I was in my cab ride home from JFK to my Brooklyn apartment. I live in I lived in Williamsburg, and every oh other time, the dream. Oh, every <laughs> other time, <laughs> you know, every other time, Sabrina, I saw the New York City skyline for 11 years. Let me tell you, I was always in awe and super grateful that I was calling this magical city my home, and I felt like a New Yorker. But I kid you not, in that moment in the cab ride home, Sabrina, next thing I know, I'm like crying. I had tears running down my, yeah, it was so crazy. I had no idea why I was crying, why I was so overwhelmed with emotions until I realized that, wow, I felt like I wasn't supposed to come back to the States. I felt like I was supposed to be in Europe and it wasn't Paris. So I said to myself that in that moment, I'm going to spend an entire year and try to make this 20-year dream of coming or moving to London come true. And so that's kind of how, yep, of how I transitioned from California to New Yorker to living abroad. And I actually really just quit everything and um, and, moved away. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's an amazing story. That's so interesting, especially because you got to live on both of the coasts of the U.S. and you really have a comparison. Yeah. Why? Why do you not feel Californian? Was it because you always aspired to like this big city life, or? Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much it. So, you know, Southern California. Let me tell you, it's a beautiful place. You know, you got pretty much 365 days of sunny weather. You're yeah. pretty much an hour away from, uh, you know, all the major things and climate that you want to be in. Like you're an hour away from beautiful beaches, an hour away from the mountains. I grew up underneath the San Bernardino Mountains, so I grew up skiing and dabbled in snowboarding, etc. But exactly what you said, Sabrina, I don't know what it is because none of my family members are like me. I had this, <laughs> this like urge inside of me that I needed constantly to be stimulated with different cultures. And it's also just people and diversity and a big city life where I'm constantly stimulated by new activity and new experiences yeah oh wow you never considered LA that was not really kind of like the type of city vibes you were looking for in LA no I grew Mm -hmm. up in LA I grew up in LA but I grew up okay so you wanted something different okay yeah yeah and LA oh my god Sabrina have you been to LA I do. I love it. And actually, people always usually tell me that I sound Californian. <laughs> I'm like, no. I can totally. Yeah, you kind of do. And that's the mistake I made. I thought you were an American living in Paris. <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm not American. Um, because you kind of have that that um, tone, <clears throat> excuse me, tone as well, too. So I'm not surprised you've gotten that before. Yeah, yeah. Literally everyone, every single person. I think the last time I went actually to California, well, not this last time, but like the previous time I went to LA with my cousins and my aunt, um, 
obviously they're Mexican. I was sitting in the cab ride and I was kind of like translating because at the time they weren't really good at English. And the cab driver is like, oh, that's so nice that your family gets to come visit you over here. How long have you lived here? And I was like, I don't live here. And he was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, that's not even my family. That's like my uncle and my aunt and my cousins. And the cab driver was like so shocked. He was like, what is happening right now? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, where do your parents live? They live in Mexico. So they're, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, going back to cities, did you ever consider moving to Asia? Because I know Asia is also cosmopolitan. Like, it has Tokyo. It has Seoul. Did that, like, ever cross your mind or you were not really Yeah, that well, that's it? a great question. No. So a quick answer is no. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. There are some cities exactly like Seoul and Hong Kong. I actually spent some time in Hong Kong traveling a bit when I uh, was working in Boston, but no. And you know what it is? And and it's so crazy. And I think I described this too, to my non-Asian friends who've been doing a lot of travel um, in Asia and Southeast Asia, and they love it because there are some amazing places in Asia. And I, and I love my, my country of origin. I'm a proud uh, Korean as well. But I think this is the way I describe it and felt is that being an Asian, even if I was an Asian American in an Asian city, the majority of the population would have been Asian. So to me, it didn't mm. felt like I would be exposed to a whole different type of culture. And yes, there are huge differences between the Japanese culture and Korean culture. But for me, I needed something drastically different of um, diversity to really um, kind of gain new perspectives and learn from different people and just felt like I was gaining new experiences. So yeah, I hope that answered it. I can totally understand that. That makes a lot of sense. Like, same with me. I could go to South America, but I don't really because even though each country is different, the same. (laughs) I feel like I've also experienced it. So like you, I want to go different parts of the world. Yeah. So tell us about all the industries you've worked in, because obviously you've worked in tech, you've worked in fashion, you've worked in beauty. Like, what have you, where have you not worked? <laughs> I know, right? I have not worked in finance. I actually, Sabrina, I do not fit one of the major Asian stereotypes. I am not good at math. So I have not worked in finance. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, a disappointment to my parents. I could never be a doctor, even though they wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer. Um, so I started my career in tech PR. And I actually told myself when I got my graduate degree in PR that if I could do geeky tech PR, and Sabrina, let me tell you, it was really geeky. Do you know what open source software is? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. So my biggest client was Red Hat, the open source software leader. And quite frankly, if they weren't my client at the time, I would have no idea, no use for the knowledge of like open source software probably on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> but that's how geeky of tech PR I was doing because I told myself, Sabrina, that like if I'm going to start off my career in PR, if yeah. I did really, really geeky P- uh, PR, um, uh, that I could do PR for any industry. And eventually I wanted to go into fashion, um, which was my you know forte and personal taste, and that's exactly how it happened. So I started in geeky tech PR, transitioned to consumer tech, where I was managing a multi-million dollar Samsung uh, consumer electronics brand, and then from there I transitioned to lifestyle and fashion, and then to recently in beauty, where. Um, I was working at a beauty manufacturing company where I led and built a digital team. And now I have my own consulting in beauty, uh, digital marketing. But I will tell you what's so interesting. I feel like I'm in a whole different industry as well with the launch of PS Younger Self because it's this whole world of personal development that Mm -hmm. is just been all consuming and really, really exciting for me. 
That's actually super interesting. It's a really great way to look at it, and I definitely agree. If you can sell geeky tech, you can basically sell anything to anyone. Yeah, <laughs> so that yeah, was very right? smart of you. And we yeah. did this of like really, really skilled salespeople too. That if they can sell like pencils or Xerox mm-hmm. machines, they can sell the fancy cars and anything else, you know. And so I think when it boils. Yeah, totally. And I remember too, when, you know, I got hired in my career and I was in the hiring manager position, I actually, while some of my bosses, Mm -hmm. I remember they particularly, this one boss particularly when I was in the beauty uh, world um, for corporate, he was so stern about how I had to hire someone on my team who had beauty social media, beauty, digital marketing background. And Mm -hmm. while that's a plus, I remember trying to convince him, and I still believe this in in any industry that you're in, Sabrina, that as long as you have the applicable skill set, it could be transferable whatever industry you're in. Because if someone is really good at what they do, they can yeah. sell pencils and cars the same way that I was selling tech PR and fashion PR. Yeah. And I think that's a problem nowadays with people that are in hiring positions. They, like you said, focus more on, is this person going to fit the bill for exactly what I want them yeah. to do? And they don't look at the bigger picture. And I feel like a lot of people should take a page out of your book and start considering things like that. Because the amount of times that that's happened to me and people I have known as well, and they're like, but I do have the experience. I do do this. I just don't have it in this industry. And that's why they wouldn't hire me. And to me, it's always been baffling. It's like, but you can do it. Like, I, I don't understand, right? Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. And it's so interesting. Like, um, I actually want to touch on this and I'm going to misphrase it. But the the notion is I was listening to an amazing podcast and um, about hiring right now. And they referenced how like Google, for example, they don't look for someone who is a culture fit because most companies do, like you said, Sabrina, like they have to fit this cookie cutter bill uh, of this is their typical background and they have the skill set, et cetera. But companies like Google, they want the most innovative out-of-the-box thinkers that are just super creative and really good at what they do to bring different perspectives and keep things fresh. Because imagine if you had, you know, thousands of people to hundreds of people, however size your business is, people that are just clones of you, how are you going to innovate and think differently? Exactly. That's exactly one of the major problems. And I think that's why a lot of companies either fail or you can start seeing a decline because they they don't innovate, yeah. like you said. Yeah. And I feel like that's why Google has found success so far in the years. Oh my God. Exactly. <laughs> so what has been your favorite industry? And that's my first question. And the second one is, what differences did you see between the fashion and the beauty industry? Because I know they have similarities, but I'm, I'd want to know about the differences that you've seen. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so the biggest difference I saw with fashion and beauty, and this, again, is my experience my personal experience, and I'll be curious to hear yours because you did the same, <laughs> but I felt like for fashion particularly that I was just too soft shell to be in fashion. I felt like it was a highly competitive environment, especially because it's a female-dominated industry, right? And I thought that being in a female dominated industry that I would get so much, I would see and get so much support from my female peers and my female bosses. And unfortunately, and again, this is just my personal experience, I found that industry to be so competitive and unsupportive of other women and uplifting other women. And it was just not the type of environment that felt good to me emotionally. And it was just too hard to be in that uh, space mentally. And so for the beauty industry, I definitely experienced, even though beauty is also a very female dominated industry, it was less 
competitive. Don't get me wrong. There are definitely some dynamics where I felt it, um, but it wasn't as heightened and obvious and ubiquitous as I've experienced in the fashion industry. How about you? I have to say I definitely agree with you. I had the same experience, although I did meet nice, kind-hearted people. The majority were not as nice. And I also felt that they were very much trying to get something out of you. So they were nice to you, these other people, right? They were nice to you when you could serve them or give them something that they wanted. And then as soon as you were no longer useful because you either changed brands you were at, you were working at a lower brand, or you were doing something else, they'd like immediately stop talking to you or you'd stop being useful and you'd be like out of the picture. And like you, one day I just thought, I can deal with this, but why would I want to? Like, I don't want to just become like them, right? Because I like, you know, to be positive and like you said, the personal development. So I was just like, I have to leave and definitely agree with you. I think the beauty about beauty (laughs) is that there are people with so many backgrounds and there are also men in it. And there's also like engineers, there's also designers, you know, there's different people. So it's more open, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting that you mentioned about how you felt that people that, you know, it was kind of self-serving in the sense that they expected something of you in return, because I experienced that as well, too, definitely in fashion. And I thought maybe it was very particular to being in New York, quite frankly, because in New York City, it's a very cutthroat city and you know people come to New York to chase all their dreams and so wow that's um so you've definitely experienced that as well yeah is that kind of like leaving that why you wanted to start PS Younger Self or what was the idea behind starting it yeah no great question so starting PS Younger Self was actually kind of accidental. I had never planned for this at all, Sabrina. And this idea did not even come about until I had moved to London. And, you know, when I first moved to London, I was, I still had the mindset that I was going to go work for somebody else. Um, Mm -hmm. And it came about when I was meeting some incredible women actually from uh, all over the world, but, you know, in London, and they were saying to me somehow that, wow, your, your story is inspiring. And I kid you not, I had no idea why they were telling me my story is inspiring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, to be very, very frank and humble with you, because I thought, you know, and, and I think I'm a, a bit older than you. I still thought that, you know, unless you're multimillionaire, you have a huge company, you're a best-selling author, etc. You name it, or you have a zillion followers that you then are inspirational to people. But then what I what all these amazing women were telling me and was responding to was the fact that they saw the way that I lived my life so that I had this incredible life that I created in New York City, but I gave it all up. I literally quit everything. I sold everything. I left New York without securing a job because my sponsorship fell through. Um, but I just did it because I knew in my heart of hearts, deep down inside, that I needed to pursue a dream. And that's what they were responding to. And so I felt so humbled and thought, wow, if if this mindset can inspire even one other person. Like that's the way I want to now live my life with purpose and a mission, Sabrina, that like I can have an impact on someone's life versus what I am now through my own like accidental evolution of all this is that even though I had built a great career, I was living, doing the work on somebody else's agenda whether it was co- mm-hmm. corporate profits or to make us, uh, you know, I worked with some A-list celebrities too to build their brand or whatever, whatever. And I, and it was an amazing experience, but I realized that it's for somebody else's agenda. Like what does Chris O want to do? And I realized I want to now actually help impact people's lives to just become more evolved human beings, whether it makes them build courage to do something they've always wanted to do or face their fear or you name it. 
I love that. I definitely commend you for that. That's a great idea. And you are inspiring. Like, honestly, how many people do you know that will just drop everything and be like, I need to pursue my dreams. Fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, but it was, it's not easy, you know. Um, I've yeah. definitely had every single one of my family members against it. Um, but that's the thing I, you, and that's what PS Younger Self is all about, actually, is to live fully on your own terms. Because I believe and I've experienced and I can see that so many of us, because it's natural, you know, we struggle with our self-identity of, of what culture expects of us, what our society expects of us, what our family expects of us. And, you know, not often, like, are we asking ourselves, like, what do we want? You know, what, what, what makes us happy? Definitely, definitely agree with you on that. So did you start it as a podcast first? Or did you start it with the idea of having a community in mind? Or just what was going on in your mind? Like, what was your goal with it in the beginning? Yeah, good question. So no, I didn't start with a podcast in mind at all. Quite frankly, I knew nothing about podcasting. Like a year ago, um, the idea came about just as building a community. So I first started off about six months ago when I created an Instagram profile of just sharing my own thoughts, thoughts that I was noticing people were responding to when I would just share my story. But mm -hmm. but um, something amazing happened. And how I got into the podcasting world was I met um, some fabulous women, women, and I was at a networking event and I met these two fabulous women. They become, um, friends now, which I'm lucky to say. And one of them, Claire said within five minutes of our conversation, she's like, Chris, I need you as a guest on, on a podcast that I co-host. So next thing I know, I was a guest on this podcast called Poopology that was founded by the main host, um, Eve, who also has become a dear friend. And when Claire was moving back to New Zealand, Eve asked me if I would want to be a co-host with her. Um, and this was after just one guest appearance episode. That must have been a hell of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We were talking about, um, she has a very unique uh, concept on our podcast called Flush, where people share their uh, pet peeves, and then the main host flushes down um, uh, the one that doesn't win. It was it was fun, a lot, great comedy, lighthearted, and um, I think we just had chemistry, you know, and that's why we became yeah. dear friends. And she's, and I'm so grateful for her to have given me this opportunity and and a taste of podcasting. And then, um, in recent uh, couple of weeks and months. I just knew that my vision for PS Younger Self was more than Sabrina sharing my own thoughts. Like it's it's yeah. not just about me. Like I I knew if if I created a community of sharing so many other people's wisdom and experience that I can help make a bigger impact. And so I thought the next evolution then would be if I launched my own podcast because I was loving it. I was loving it. And that's how it all came about. And so in the past three weeks, and I think you and I discussed that we both launched our podcast around the same time. I taught myself everything about how to launch a podcast. Because when I was a co-host, I would just show up yeah. at Eve's office and just sit down and talk. <laughs> <laughs> but now I had to do everything myself. Yeah, it's it's really easy when yeah. that happens. Same for me. Like I used to have someone. So I was like, hey, I'm just going to record all these content and then I'm done with it. And that's fine. Yeah. So I agree with you. That is amazing. I feel like nobody really sets out to create a podcast. It usually happens, like you said, like you meet someone, you're talking to someone, and then this little idea sparks and you're like, eh, I'm going to try it. Let's see what happens. And then most people just like fall in love with it. Yeah. Is that how it happened with you too? Yeah. Yeah. I never had considered it. Actually, I mentioned it quite a few times in my Instagram. I mm. used to hate my voice, how it was mm. recorded. You have a great I don't know voice. why. I told you this. 
<laughs> Thank you. I know people have been telling me, but I didn't used to think that. I honestly really hated my voice. And whenever I would be in a video, I'd be like, God, please somebody shut that down. Like, I don't <laughs> want to listen to myself. And yeah, it just started like that, talking to a friend and then it didn't work out. And I was like, I'm going to do this. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Kind of like you and well, here we are. Here we are. Two podcasters talking about life. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you I'm glad you took that leap as well too. So, like you said, here we are now and you know, this is just the early phases, but you know, um Yeah. We're going to do great things, don't worry. <laughs> We're both going to do amazing things, I feel it. Yes. So, what does being an expat mean to you? Cuz first of all, do you even consider yourself an expat or is it more like you were born somewhere else, somewhere else, but your soul has always been in London kind of thing. Wow. You know, Sabrina, that's such a great question. I never really, never really thought about it. Um, so I think I'll answer it this way. I think being an expat means that you adopt your new country or city as your new home. And when you adopt a new place as your new home, you're completely immersed in it. You learn everything about it from the language to the nuances, but yet without forgetting your your origin and really honoring your own background as well. Um, but your second question, I think you asked, like, did you maybe always felt like it was part of you? right? Was that the other mm-hmm. question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting because I kind of think so. I was having this conversation with some of my dearest, dearest friends that my obsession with London and uh, I think Europe as a whole came, you know, like I said, 20 years ago when I did not even step foot in Europe, my parents hadn't traveled to Europe, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't remember I think seeing or reading a lot about Europe besides maybe like, you know, Princess Diana, but um, <laughs> so yeah, maybe, maybe deep down inside and it's, and it's ironic because now that I, you know, live in Europe and I've been traveling around Europe in different cities too. I, you know, I was most recently in, in Lisbon and was supposed to have been there for like six weeks until this thing called the pandemic happened. I, I felt so at ease and at home there as well. And so, yeah, maybe a little part of me has always um, felt that I was European. (laughs) I feel like, yeah, I feel like your vibe fits the aesthetic and fits like the very free type of like traveling and going, jumping around different places and stuff. So yeah, I can kind of see that. Definitely agree with you, especially because the States is a huge country, right? So it's not as easy to travel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people in the US don't even travel. I you know, I found this very shocking. Don't even travel mm-hmm. often within our own country because as you said it's so big. Um yeah. and yeah, and what I found so incredible and inspiring when um you know, when I first moved to London is that traveling is kind of a rite of passage. Like people just grow up traveling between, I mean, people commute from different countries. Like I know people (laughs) who are commuting from Paris to London, Sabrina, I'm sure you know plenty of those people. And so it's just second nature to them and being exposed to so many different cultures and that lifestyle. Oh, and this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to move to Europe as well. Sabrina is I just love the European lifestyle where I feel like Europeans have a, greater appreciations for a work-life balance and mm-hmm. where I spent 11 years of my adulthood in New York um, and don't go me wrong I, I still love New York very very much and as I said I feel more like a New Yorker than a Californian but New York like, is an environment where it really honors and gives merit to the hustle and for grinding and I just knew that that was just not what I, that lifestyle was not what I wanted to maintain or was even susceptible or sustainable. Sorry, that's the word. Yeah. Till I got really yeah. older and yeah. <laughs> What's been your favorite part about moving abroad and also counterpart? What's been the hardest thing about moving across the world? Yeah. 
Um, gosh, there's so much about living abroad. Um, I mentioned to this, I mentioned um, this earlier, but it's really the diversity and the incredible, interesting, diverse people that and cultures that I've been exposed to and making new friends. I think I'm, I'm such a curious person that I always want mm-hmm. to learn more and, and see more and do more. So that has been really the the best part about living in a new country and continent. And people, it's interesting because a lot of people I've met in London would ask me, like, why would you move from New York to London? Isn't New York more diverse? No, I was, shockingly, I was so surprised that so many people were asking me this. But I guess I know it because New York is such an iconic global city too. Um, yeah. But the way I describe it to the, the people who asked me this is New York absolutely is a very diverse city. And as I mentioned, the most diverse in the United States. But I felt like I feel like most of the people in New York are, are slash American. So like me, Korean American, Italian American, Greek American, etc. So mm-hmm. compared to when I first moved to London, oh my God, I was meeting people from like all over Europe all these like New Zealanders and Australians and that were, you know, directly from there and, and everyone's like accents. I just felt like it was a lot more um, diverse internationally in that sense. Yeah. And so, yeah, that really excites me. (laughs) That can make sense. It's also this part of you always want what you don't have. Right. So people in New York will say, I want to move to London or Paris. People in Paris or London will be like, I want to move to New York or to LA. So exactly. No, you hit it on the nail. That's definitely it. You know, grass always seems greener on the other side. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in terms of the hardest part about moving, what would you consider it to be? Is it actually learning different how different things work? Is it leaving your family? Is it like what? Yeah, no, the the hardest part definitely has to be being so far away from uh my family so not living in the in the same country and then now I'm like eight hour time difference from my you know from my family before it was just three hours so that's a huge uh difference and that's definitely the hardest part but I'm lucky right now due to this global crisis I chose to actually spend some time with my family so yeah but it's that definitely has been and it was really hard for my family too as I mentioned they every single one of them including my brothers were against it and questioned me um and so yeah yeah that's the hardest how about you I mean your parents your your parents are still in Mexico like what what's yeah you uh and I'm an only child so my mom poor poor soul she's alone back there with my dad (laughs) for me initially it was the language because obviously Mm -hmm. I took French classes but it's the type of situations where you don't speak it as a local, so people just stare at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's not the language. Mm-hmm. So that was the hardest part at the beginning and then kind of fitting in with the mentality because obviously it's been very different. It's yeah. been adapting to just learning that here things are so much harder. And especially for me, obviously coming from the States, there are some more restrictions and the government works differently. And Mexico or Latin America in general is known for being more lax about things. Yeah. So like there you can get things done super easy, super quick. Um, you kind of just have to be nice to someone. And then if they're in a good mood, they'll do it. And here it's mostly like, and I actually had a French girl on an interview before. Her name is Julie, who mentioned it perfectly. She was like, if a French person tells you no in any administration thing, it doesn't mean no. It means keep trying until you wear me down and it becomes a yes. <laughs> really? Yes. Wow. Said by a French person. So just imagine I had to adapt to doesn't mean no. doesn't mean I can sweet talk my way into this. It means continue drilling until they're tired. Wow. Yeah, no, for sure. Like I, France actually has a very, very special place in my heart. I think if I spoke French natively, it would definitely be a place where I would want to live like Paris. I absolutely love Mm -hmm. Paris, but no, you're right. Like it's just, um, and and maybe for the move from the U.S. and uh, London, where 
English is the first language. You know, granted, there's British English, but for you, from、uh, the move from Mexico to France, that's definitely a huge culture difference. And I can just imagine just the French mentality and the French lifestyle.、Yeah. It is very different. So, wow.、Um, yeah. You've been there for how many years now? Seven.、Um, so it's going to be a total of seven years in Europe, but.、Uh... Five in total in Paris. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm Parisian now. Basically, you're gonna be able to tell me, "Oh, I'm London there now." Well, I'm Parisian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love it, and I can't wait to visit you in Paris too. Like I said, it's one of my favorite cities. But I actually want to.、Uh, Mention also to you, like one of the besides, like yes, definitely, you know, being away from family, like that's the hardest part. But the the hardest part of making the actual move for me, Sabrina, was actually dealing with my own self doubt and my inner voices of、yep. like what what if I'm making a mistake? What if I don't make it. You know, what if it's a struggle? All these like disempowering thoughts would go through my head, and that overcoming that, Sabrina, I really want to emphasize was the hardest part. And I think so many of us struggle, and it doesn't have to be making a you know move to a different. Continent, but in everyday life, where we are questioning ourselves of just doing one thing that is outside of our comfort zone, is the、yeah. hardest part. And but when you when you take that leap of faith, for me, it has been such a rewarding experience because on the other side of your fear is. Courage and strength, and this evolution that you go through—that has been so well worth, like all the you know ups and downs of emotional like heartache I was giving myself. Yeah, I definitely agree. That was actually going to be my next question to you. What has moving across the ocean taught you about yourself and about life? Oh yeah, so <laughs> um, I jumped the gun. Um. Yeah, and that was a perfect segue into it. No, so the other, you know, thing that I would mention about, you know, kind of like lesson that I've learned besides that,、mm -hmm. you know, we have all these disempowering like self thoughts in our inner voices, but that, you know, we should always follow or try to follow our intuition and our heart. Because as I was mentioning earlier, is that like I felt that so much of my life I was living it based on someone else's agenda, and it, and it was growing up like my parents' agenda for me. You know what they expected of me to have、yeah. a successful life, and like quite frankly, you know my parents expected me to be married at this point, and、mm -hmm. um, I'm not, and I don't have. Kids and so many of my peers and friends do, and so、um, and I'm not I'm not gonna lie.、Um, you know, for a bit I had self doubt and you know thought to myself, have I not succeeded or am I doing okay? Because I'm not a married. I don't have kids. I don't have this, that, or whatever. But then、yeah. I realized. Holy shit! That's everyone else's freaking definition of success, and that wasn't fulfilling for me. Like I don't care what everyone thinks that they want for me. And it was also even moving to to London when when my entire family was against me. I realized, Sabrina, that it was their own fears that they were projecting onto me. And when I removed myself from Everyone's own fear, whether it's their personal fear of something that they didn't do, or for my parents, it was you know they were just scared because they want the best for their child, right? Regardless of how、yeah. old he or she is. But when you remove yourself from everyone else's projection, whether it's fear or expectations, that's when you get to really like live life the way you want to. And that, to me, I feel like has been the most. Rewarding and biggest learning experience that I'm so grateful for. 
I love that. You said it, you put it beautifully. So what tips would you actually give people that might be stuck somewhere they don't feel fulfilled or dream like you did once to move across to a different country they don't know? Like what would be your major takeaways that you can share with people that are considering that but don't feel like they can? Yeah, I would say two things to define like what success or fulfillment means to you. So really, really, really sit with your own thoughts. And it could come in all sorts of different ways, whether you're journaling, meditating, whatever it is, but really sit with your thoughts and all these outside voices, whether it's friends, family, or culture, etc. And then when you're sitting with your thoughts, um, you get to identify which ones that are truly the the thoughts and of desires that come from your own heart and your own intuition. Because as cliche as it sounds, you know, based on my personal experience, unless we're truly, truly living the way that our heart, it makes, I, I say to my friends that like, it makes my heart smile. Like unless <laughs> it's making my heart smile, like I'm not truly living the way that I was meant to live on this planet. So I would really just encourage people to just sit with their thoughts and to and feel what it feels like when you're reacting to these thoughts of what other people expect of you versus what you think you want for yourself. And then when you feel that, just to go do it. Because I know so many people from a lot of conversations that I've now been having through the podcasting is that Fear is our biggest limiting block in life. No matter what risks that we take in life, big or small, fear holds us back. But, and I know it's hard between um, understanding and feeling your fear to actually taking the steps. So I tell people just to just do it, you know, just <laughs> do it. Like Nike said it. Yeah, really as simple, simple as Nike. When you just do it, because the other thing that I've realized is that like we tend to overanalyze in our head, Sabrina. We overthink, yeah. we over da, 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 all this stuff and we do all these what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, which can be so paralyzing and it prevents us from just doing it because we expect the perfect time or the perfect man or woman or whatever perfect situation to happen. But we just need to yeah. do it. Yeah, definitely agree with you. That is super, super, super good point you're making. Very important to remember. So guys, if you're thinking that you do not feel fulfilled in what you're doing, if you have always dreamed to move to China, Australia, the Antarctic, Alaska, whatever it is, just try it. You won't know what it's like until you try it. And honestly, if you hate it, there's always a plane ticket. You can buy it and go back home and pretend like it never happened or learn from it your choice, but literally you can do anything in this life. So before we end this episode, Chris, I always prepare a couple of lighthearted rapid fire questions for the end. And I wrote some for you. So are you ready to play this little game before we end the episode? Let's do it. (laughs) Sounds fun. Okay. What person dead or alive would you like to have dinner with and why? Oh, no question about it. Oprah. Ah, yes. Good one. Good one. Love that. Would you rather always be 10 minutes late or always be 20 minutes early? 20 minutes early. I Really? Hate, absolutely. This was my one of my, um, I think, first episodes on poopology. One of my biggest pet peeves is people that are notoriously late. So I feel like late <laughs> is disrespectful of somebody else's time. So I try to yeah. really honor it to the best of my ability because I know there are a lot of different you know, external factors, but I'd rather be 20 minutes early than be the person that was keeping somebody else uh, waiting for me. I actually love that. And I feel like more people should start doing that. I was one of those people that used to always be early. And then people would just not never arrive early. And I was like, you know what? F that. Nobody's going to be early. I'm also not going to be early because I would, you know, be waiting 30 minutes an hour and be like, okay, well. (laughs) It sucks. It totally sucks, right? But Sabrina, yeah, like instead of thinking like, well, because they were late, I'm going to be late. No, like be the, you know, be the bigger person and seeing that like being late for someone else is just... I just didn't feel it was respectful. Yeah. Yeah, I've always felt that. That's why 
I think I love the European culture side of it that people, I think, respect each other's time a bit more. That's maybe a bit of a big generalization, but I have seen it happen more often. So, If money and time wasn't an object for you, and obviously not considering the current pandemic situation, what would you be doing right now or where would you be? Oh, gosh. Um, it's easy. So if the money situation, all of that, I would still be in Lisbon and Portugal right now because <laughs> I had a uh, plant and was supposed to have been there for six weeks, just exploring, wow. yeah, exploring the culture, the people and traveling around Portugal and it abruptly um, had to get cut because of, you know, the situation. So I would love to be back where I was because I was falling in love with the country. Sabrina, oh my God, have you been to Portugal? Yeah, I have. I like it. I definitely do like it. I like it more in the summer though. Oh yeah. So I I, I usually like places in the summer. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Ocean or mountain? This might be hard because you grew up with both. Yeah, that's true. Um, ocean. Yes. Spring or winter? Or actually hot weather or cold weather. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Easy. Do you prefer texting or phone calls? (laughs) Some people are going to hate me for this. Texting. I actually don't like phone calls very much. That's pretty ironic considering you have a podcast. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I know. And some of my girlfriends are really hating me right now because I have been putting off Zoom catch-up dates because yeah (laughs) I get it I get it it takes a different energy to go on a call than a text definitely agree with you would you rather visit a new place or go back home for a visit if you could have the choice I mean if I have the choice just because of the way I've been living my life I would visit home just because I don't typically do that very often um and I've been living living on my own for like 20 some years yeah, makes sense. Fashion or beauty? Beauty. Last one. Would you wake up early or sleep out when you get the chance, not in regular circumstances? Uh, if you have the choice. Yeah, wake up early. Even though I'm not a super early riser, but wake up early. Oh my God, that's crazy. Everyone answers that. I'm like, why? Why do people not like to sleep? <laughs> Because I feel lazy, Sabrina, when I sleep in. Don't get me wrong. Sleeping in feels nice when you when you do it, when you need it. But yeah. girlfriend, like, especially after like, <laughs> I've been out late at night and I sleep in um, and I won't even let myself sleep in past like 11 a.m. Because I feel like anything past that, like I was a lazy bum and I just wasted a day. And I don't like that feeling. <laughs> Okay, that's okay. That's that's a good answer. That's acceptable. That I, I give you that. I can agree with you. But I like sleep. Okay. I definitely agree with you. I can't argue with that. <laughs> well, that was the last of my questions, and it was fabulous to talk to you today, Chris. You are such good fun, and you have so many interesting insights. If anyone wants to check out her amazing podcast and community, please search for PS. Um, younger self and you're gonna have all the links on the description as usual mine as well Um, please don't forget to give us feedback I love hearing from you guys let me know if you love it if you hate it if you don't want to hear me again just send me a message I always reply good bad ugly whatever Um, on my instagram at pretty sure podcast and I will see you everyone next week peace out everyone and thank you again Chris thank you so much Sabrina this was amazing so much fun